Well, this morning, we are beginning a new series. We are in the book of Daniel, and uh, we are going to be looking at Daniel for the next uh, 12 weeks. And uh, I'm sure for many of you, uh, the book of Daniel is uh, familiar. At least the first six chapters are familiar. Uh, Those are some stories that we've grown up with in uh, the life of the church and Sunday school that are um, very special to us, uh, including uh, the Hebrew Hebrew boys who were in the fiery furnace and, and Daniel who was in the lion's den. And so we're going to be looking at that first, those first six uh, chapters of Daniel, but then we're also going to be looking at Daniel's visions that uh, he experienced in chapters 7 through 12. They're rather obscure, they're uh, prophetic, they're apocalyptic, and, uh, and so we are going to be looking at, as those, at those as well. But the book of Daniel was written behind enemy lines, uh, Daniel and, uh, and many others were carried off into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And, uh, Daniel wrote this book when he was about 70, uh, 70 years of age at the end of him having served three kings and three different empires, uh, Daniel wrote uh, the book of Daniel. Now, make no mistake that this book is not about particular personalities that we're familiar with in this book. This book is about God and his sovereignty and what he has, what he was doing in all these different stories God is the hero of this book. And so that we're going to be reading about things that uh, it may appear like, uh, you know, everything's out of control. And uh, God is not on his throne. But I want you to understand and know, church, that God is very much in control of each in every circumstance. And so that is one of the reasons why we're going to study Daniel for the next 11 weeks. The first reason why we're going to study Daniel is that God is always in control even when there seems to be no evidence for that. And we're going to get into that in verses 1 and 2 of Daniel chapter 12 this morning. So I hope you have your Bible open. And uh, we're going to be reading lots of different verses this morning. But this morning, we're just going to get through the first two verses. And the Bible says this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. I want you to look very closely at verse 2. The Bible says in verse 2, And the Lord 
gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't King Nebuchadnezzar who was in control who decided that he was going to uh, besiege Jerusalem and take people captive and bring them back to his land. No, the Bible says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. God was in complete control of this situation even though there wasn't any evidence to indicate that and that is the central message of daniel god's sovereignty over history over empires over kings the bible says he places them there he removes them at his own pleasure look at chapter 2 verse 21 for a moment Chapter 2, verse 21, we'll be here in a couple weeks. The Bible says this, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and the knowledge to those who have understanding. God places, places good kings into control of things, and he places wicked kings into in control of things. He places them there and he removes them. God is absolutely in control of everything. Look at chapter 4, verses 34 through 37. This is the uh, conclusion that uh, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, came to after 40 years. Daniel had been... um, speaking truth, had been living truth, had been uh, proclaiming who God is before King Nebuchadnezzar for 40 fateful years. And after 40 years, Nebuchadnezzar came to this conclusion, verse 34. And at the end of the day, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? Verse 36, At that, at the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Nebuchadnezzar finally came to faith in who the the God, the King, truly is, the creator of this universe. That's the theme. And that's what we need to understand, church, as we go through the book of Daniel. Because God wants to show not only us through history, but he wants to you to know in your life, 
that even though it may not appear like God is in control at the moment, God is very much in control. And we're going to have a theme song for this uh, Daniel series that we're going to sing on several occasions. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, come back up. But the song is Ancient of Days. Now, this is different from the ancients of days that we have uh, sung on many occasions. But I want you to look at the words. The words are in your outline this morning. And uh, I want this to become a testimony of our faith because of what the Word of God says and what we believe to be true. But look at these words. Though the nations rage, kingdoms rise and fall, There is still one king reigning over all. So I will not fear, for this truth remains, that my God is the Ancient of Days. None above him, none before him. All of time is in his hands. For his throne it shall remain and ever stand. All the power, all the glory, I will trust in his name. For my God is the ancient of days. We just prayed for our senior adults. I know that for many of them, they know these words to be very true because they have seen God's faithfulness over the many decades of their life. May this be the testimony of our faith, church, as we go through the book of Daniel. I want us to stand, and I want us to sing this song, Ancient of Days.
You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. And we'll sing that song again at the conclusion of our service. But I want you to know, church, that Daniel believed that from the bottom of his heart, from the very beginning. Here is Daniel and these Hebrew, three Hebrew boys that we're going to look at next week. They've been, they've been captured. They've been carried off into captivity. And even though there isn't any evidence that God is in control, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God holds them, that he is there for him. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what kind of week that you've had or month or year. But God's message to you this morning is that God is absolutely in control of every situation of your life. And He wants you to trust Him. So that's the first message of this book as to why we're going to study Daniel. The second thing that we see in this book is that God disciplines His kids whom he loves. God has given the nation of Judah into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar because they have not been listening to God. They have been ignoring the prophets of God for 200 plus years. And God, who has been ever so patient with his people, have finally has finally said enough is enough and i am going to follow through on my word god disciplines his own not because he hates them but because he loves them you know what every parent who has children, who loves their children, are going to discipline them. It it doesn't feel good. We don't like it. But as parents who love our kids, it is necessary. Have you ever seen a parent who doesn't discipline their children? Those who don't discipline their children, they don't love them. They don't care about them. Those children who are undisciplined, they're, they're dirty. They're out of control. They're disrespectful. They're, they're fearful because they don't have any boundaries. They don't know where the boundaries are. They're insecure. But parents who love their children will discipline them. And God does this to his very own. In Hebrews chapter 12, Many of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture, but I want to read uh, 5 through 11 this morning. Can you turn me up a little bit, Roland? I feel like I'm yelling into this microphone, and I don't want to do that. Verse 5, And you have, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you 
Because the Lord disciplines the one, disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone goes, everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. When God says something to us, church, he means it. God is not playing games. He's not playing games with the nation of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, and he's not playing games with us. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. And so in this passage of Scripture, God permitted a wicked king to destroy a city, his temple, and exile his own people because God cared about them. This wasn't a surprise. This wasn't a sneak attack. God had been warning Judah for at least 100 years. Judah was the southern kingdom of the nation of Israel. After Solomon, uh, the, the, the kingdom of Israel divided in two. And ten of the tribes went to the northern kingdom. And two of the tribes, Judah and Benjamin, were part of the southern kingdom. Now, in this passage of scripture, this is around 604 uh, B.C., the northern kingdom of Israel has already fallen. They have been defeated by the Assyrians, and they have been annihilated. And so a hundred years later, um, God is going to discipline the kingdom of Judah. But before that takes place, Isaiah, one of the major prophets who prophesied to the northern kingdom also prophesied to Hezekiah, who was a king of the southern kingdom. And uh, in, well, I'm jumping ahead of myself, so excuse me for that. I'm not going to get there in a moment. But But the northern kingdom, the reason why the northern kingdom fell was because it did it never had any good kings. After Solomon and uh, the northern kingdom with their kings, they had, they had uh, 19 kings. And with those 19 kings, there was not one good king. And so after 200 years, the northern kingdom fell. The southern kingdom lasted for 300 years. The southern kingdom had 20 kings. 
And out of those 20 kings, eight of them, the Bible said, were good. And that's why they lasted another hundred years. But God had sent uh, prophets. He had sent major prophets in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel warning the nation of Judah to stay faithful to God. And they ignored those prophets. And ignoring those prophets after time, it's going to lead to serious consequence. It's kind of like a car. Do you all have cars? Well, if you pay attention to the dashboard lights of those cars, of your car, you know, if, if you're not paying attention to what's under the hood, if you're not checking the oil levels occasionally, now my wife is chuckling at me because she always has to remind me of this because her car, she has a yellow light that comes on frequently. And that yellow light says that the oil level is low. So not only does she have a ye- not only is there a yellow light in my life, in reference to her automobile, but God has used her in my life as well as the Holy Spirit as a reminder that I need to get under the hood of her car and pay attention to the oil level and the fluid levels of that car. And what happens when we don't pay attention to those yellow warning lights? After a while, you're going to begin to see a red uh, light, a red icon. And it's kind of like a, a silhouette or a picture of a car engine. And this is reminding her, this is a warning to you, if you don't do something immediately, your car is going to blow up. It's not going to work anymore. And so we all understand the dashboard lights of our car and how we need to pay attention to those things, whether it's a low tire or low fluid level or washer level, whatever. Well, God sent his own warning lights, too, in his prophets to remind the people of Israel, children of Israel, what um, God's expectation for their life was was to be. The first warning that we see in the Old Testament is from Moses. Um, Moses, before the children of Israel went into the promised land, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, um, Moses uh, gave them a sermon. And in verses 1 through 14, uh, Moses is basically saying, if you do what the Lord tells you to do, he's going to bless you immensely. But and then in verses 15 through 68, Moses says, if you disobey the Lord, these are what the consequences are going to be. Look at verses 49 through 52 of chapter 28. <clears throat> 
Bible says this, the Lord will bring a nation against you from far away. So this is in 1400 BC, okay? This is about 800 years before the Babylonians come and uh, destroy uh, Jerusalem. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away from the ends of the earth like an eagle swooping down. Have you ever seen an eagle swooping down before? I have, and it stole my fish. Just ask Parker. Parker, I think, is in the dining room this morning. Oh, he's right here. Parker was in the boat with us. We had been fishing all day. We had caught two fish, and one of them got off the stringer. And 30 seconds, it wasn't more than 30 seconds after that fish had been off the stringer, I was trying to turn the boat around to go back and get that fish that was floating on the surface. And an eagle, a bald eagle, came down and picked up that fish. Uh, you know, everybody everybody in the, in the boat was saying, oh, that's so cool. And I was saying, but that wasn't cool. He stole our fish. Uh, Well, this is what Moses is saying. If you disobey the Lord, it will be like an eagle swooping down a nation whose language you will not understand. They're going to take you away. They will lay siege to your cities until all the fortified walls in your land, the walls that you trusted in protect you, are knocked down. And they will attack all of the towns in the land the Lord your God has given you. That was 800 years before the events of Daniel took place. And then, after the northern kingdom had fallen, the southern kingdom, they were still going And Hezekiah was the king at that time. He had witnessed the northern king having fallen. The Bible in Isaiah chapter 39, verses 1 through 9, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but uh, Hezekiah had been uh, deathly ill, but had undergone a miraculous recovery. And there was a group from Babylon who came to Judah to see Hezekiah and to encourage him. And in a moment of pride, the Bible says Hezekiah took him took them in to the king's treasury and showed them, the people, the delegation from Babylon, everything that belonged to Hezekiah in the kingdom of Judah. Isaiah got word of this, and Isaiah asked Hezekiah, what have you done? And Hezekiah, and the Bible says this, they saw everything in my place. This is in verse 4 of Isaiah 39, Hezekiah said, there is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord Almighty, The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. This is a prophecy of Isaiah a hundred years before it actually occurred. 
Nothing will be left, says the Lord, and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who would be born to you will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And the word of the Lord you have spoken, and then Hezekiah says, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied. For he thought, there will be peace and security in my lifetime. He wasn't worried about his descendants. He was just worried about himself, not not realizing, understanding that the decision, the choice that he made was had jeopardized future generations. That was Hezekiah's warning. Okay, another yellow light. Let's look at a third yellow light from the dashboard. And this is in Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 through 11. This is a warning to uh, Jehoiakim from Jeremiah, another prophet that God had sent. Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 through 11, the Bible says this, The word came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. Verse 2, So Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people of Judah and to all those living in Jerusalem, This is Jeremiah, For 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. Jeremiah has been preaching the message of the Lord. Turn, repent. Judgment is coming, and they have not listened for 23 years. And though the Lord has sent all his servants, the prophets, to you again and again, talking about Micah, Nahum, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk, you have not listened or paid any attention. And they said, Turn now, each of you, from your evil ways and your evil practices, and you can stay in the land the Lord gave to you and your ancestors forever and ever. Do not follow other gods to serve and worship them. Where have you heard that before? That was a catechism this morning, church. We're guilty of worshiping idols that are more important than God in our life. He said, do not arouse my anger with what your hands have made. Then I will not harm you. But you did not listen to me, declares the Lord. And you have aroused my anger with what your hands have made, and you have brought harm to yourselves. Therefore the Lord Almighty says, Because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north, and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord. And I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. And I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and everlasting ruin. I will banish from them the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride 
and bridegroom, the sound of millstones and the light of the lamp, this whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Church, that is exactly what took place. In the in the third year of Jehoiakim, the Bible says that Babylon, the Babylonians came in and besieged the city of Jerusalem. And over the next uh, 18 years, there's going to be a wave of Babylonian activity that's going to come and exile the people of Judah and take them off to the land of Babylon. And here in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel is the first of those three ways that have occurred. But that's how how hard the heart of Jehoiakim was. He didn't listen. He didn't believe God. didn't believe the prophet. And as a result, God hauled away Jerusalem's very best generation. Very best best youth and made them servants of the Babylonian king. Eventually, uh, Jehoiakim was taken to Babylon. Uh, His brother was taken to Babylon. And the last king of Judah, uh, Zedekiah, remained in Jerusalem. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 36... The Bible says this about Zedekiah, the last king of Judah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. He did did evil in the eyes of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke the word of the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made him take an oath in God's name. He was kind of like a pup king in Jerusalem at the time. Bible says he became stiff-necked and hardened his heart and would not turn to the Lord, the God of Israel. Furthermore, all the leaders of the priests and the people became more and more unfaithful following all the detestable practices of the nations and defiling the temple of the Lord, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. Even the the priests, the priests of the people, who had witnessed, had already uh, witnessed the desecration of the temple in 604 B.C., when the first wave of exiles went. Here there were still priests in Jerusalem, and they were still unfaithful to the Lord. They were worshiping idols. They weren't getting the message. Verse 15, The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was 
no remedy. The Babylonian captivity took place, church, because the people of God had rebelled against God. They would not listen to the prophets of God. And so God was having to discipline the children that he loved. And just as he did for the children of Israel, the children of Judah, church, that applies to you and I today. The third reason why we are studying Daniel is that we too are from the seed of royalty. We belong to the Creator God Himself. We have been grafted in as uh, the children of Israel and God our King. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says, For He has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. So church, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if there was a point in your life that you had surrendered to Christ as as, uh, your Lord and Savior, you believe that Christ died for your sin, rose from the grave. He redeemed you. He called you his own. Just know that God is going to discipline you. Just as he disciplined Judah, Israel, because he loves us. I I don't know what's going on in your life right now. Maybe maybe what's happening is no of um, nothing that you've done in and of yourself. You've been obedient in following your Lord and Savior. But God's got you in a lion's den this morning. God's got a message for you. But maybe you're here this morning because you've rebelled against him. I want you to know, God is very much still in love with you. As we go through the book of Daniel, God continued to love the children, the nation of Judah. God continued to send his promise, promise his, his prophets, to communicate his love and their future, and that he was very much there. God is in control of each and every situation. And so the message to us this morning, church, is repent. And turn to God. Are you entertaining sin in your life this morning? And nobody knows 
I want you to know it's eventually going to catch up to you. God knows and the devil knows. And God this morning wants to say to all of us, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. He's not here to make your life miserable. He wants to bless bless your life. That only can be blessed by living within the boundaries that he has set up for all of us. Repent and turn to God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word that... Your word says that what happened in history, what happened in the Old Testament is for our good, it's for our well-being, and that we need to pay attention to those stories and live accordingly. So, Father, if there are individuals here in this service this morning, I know there are, who are struggling, maybe because of poor choices, Maybe not poor choices, but but they don't understand God. Here, here, telling all of us this morning, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. And even though we may not be able to see it, God, you're in control. Encourage the faith of your people. Thank you for Daniel. Lord, his life was turned upside down. He was ripped away from his family. He was ripped away from his community, his his city. And God, he was taken, taken to a foreign land surrounded by people who didn't believe you. They worshipped idol gods. But Daniel continued to stay faithful. And God, you used him for the next 70 years to serve ungodly kings, but testify to who you are. God, you're in control. May this song that we sing once again, Ancient of Days, truly be a declaration of our faith as we come to believe, God, who you are, no matter what. Be glorified. In this time of invitation, we pray in Christ's name.